Okay, hello again, everybody. Uh, so I'm here again with uh, Caitlin Bl Bloody Mary. We talked about a film a little while back and we had a fun experience. So she agreed to come on again and I'm really, really thankful. Yay, I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me back. It was great fun last time and I'm sure it will be this time too. Yeah, we talked about uh, Train to Busan, which is very kind of on point, I think, for the moment we're living in. Um, today, we're gonna talk about a film, a Japanese sort of horror film um called onibaba and uh the translation is like demon hag um so this is like a, a really interesting film from like 1964 it's directed and written by uh kenito shin, shin shindo i'm not great at japanese but that's my attempt um and yeah this is just like a really cool film i've watched it recently and i thought it would be cool for us to talk about like you know it's very cinematic it's very interesting it's got horror elements it's got a lot of i feel like kind of cultural stuff to talk about too mm -hmm. and so i thought you know we give it a watch and see what we think and feel about it um yeah so was there any i guess sort of stuff that you felt about the film when you sort of first heard about it uh, when I, I had not heard of it until you recommended it to me. I didn't really know what I was getting myself in for. Uh, I have a bit of a rule of thumb when I'm going into new films that I try not to look at reviews. I don't like to have my own opinions kind of clouded by other people's, um, particularly in terms of analysis. I did make the mistake on this one of breaking that rule because I was quite curious about it. Um, and so I did read a little bit about it, but I wasn't expecting it to be quite as surreal and new wavy as it was. Um, yeah, the mask intrigued me. That was my first point. I was just like, I need to know. I love a mask. Like a mask in a horror film can be so powerfully used. Yeah. Yeah, and this one, like, it really uses that sort of, whatever you'd want to call it with the mask as that identity really uh a lot um i yeah what i really like too about this film is just like the the way it deals with sort of this just think about like talking about civil war um in any context and like you know the way how desperate people were in this film mm -hmm. and i i found all of that really kind of I don't know, <laughs> thematically scintillating. <laughs> yeah, so it's set in like feudal Japan, so like a, in the 14th century. So it's set like in that kind of medieval period. But I found that it still was quite timeless. So even though it is set in a medieval period, it's not like watching like a medieval city film that's like about English medieval. You're not watching like a Henry V. Like it still feels very now and very current to the 1960s to me yeah exactly exactly um and you know it's just it, it sort of felt almost like a like sort of in the american context like in a revisionist western in a way yeah yeah very much so well because it's that that kind of thing about like the early early experiences of facing war and of course japan had just faced a huge war that they had lost um and this was just after basically that first deal that they had with America, 1960, they were looking at new deals. So it was right after that it all happened when this film came out that they were kind of finally able to start addressing World War Two. Yeah, yeah, this, this definitely feels like there's some kind of context, cultural context about why 
this film is right for this moment in Japanese history, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I yeah, for the most part, I, I mean, I really enjoyed this film. It was definitely uh, not what I expected. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of interesting twists and turns in it, right? Yeah, and it just wasn't what I expected in terms of the overall plot. Like, I found it was quite slow in places, not in a bad way, but it was a very, I feel like, you need to be in the right mood, which is why it took me a little while to to actually sit down and watch the whole thing. You really need to be in quite a dreamlike place for this film. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's it's definitely like a kind of a slow burn. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it kind of lingers on the characters a lot. And then yeah. yeah, there's like things that happen where you're like, where am I at? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the first Ten minutes of this film. So the first copy I downloaded, um, I it did not have subtitles. It took me 10 minutes in to realise that because the first 10 minutes of this film has no dialogue. It's completely reliant on imagery and there's an almost completely diegetic sound. There's not, a, throughout the whole film as well, there's not a big reliance on music to provide. It's very much like this, like, rustling of these yeah. reeds and um, mm. the occasional, you know, sound of a bird and the noise of them eating and, and no dialogue for 10 minutes is yeah. pretty revolutionary, particularly in the 60s. Yeah, I, I watched actually another film this guy did around the same time called The Naked Island, and it is a completely silent film. Oh, wow. Complete, completely silent film of some people that live on an island and basically they're just trying to survive. But it is it is a modern day silent film, and it's really good. Well, I'll have so, to check that out. I'd like to see yeah, more of it. Yeah, yeah, that's another one I would definitely recommend from the same director. So this guy, he's kind of used to to doing that sort of yeah, sort of purely visual filmmaking. Yeah, it's very much um, influenced by I would say that kind of um, French New Wave style. As most people that watch my channel know, there is a Jean Luc Godard poster behind me when I film. Um, I'm a huge fan of that French New Wave, and I think there was a lot of that being influenced with this particular film, that you know, kind of strange imagery, allowing the camera to take its time, uh, being brave enough to have some quite strange imagery. Just, yeah, very interesting film. Yeah. So, yeah, let's just cover a couple of plot points and then just sort of talk about things more broadly. So, yeah, like you said, like the film, the film, basically the film opens with like some title cards and then it's like, you know, the characters that say it. So like one is like the hole and it's like the deep darkness. It's lasted since the old times. And then, so there's like this hole in the ground and we just see this hole and then it kind of takes us into the story, which is, you know, we see these weeds moving in some very like beautiful imagery, but sort of ominous, you know? <laughs> yes, ominous and relaxing at the same time. Like, out of context, you could have these shots, like, on a YouTube video with, like, a meditation, like some meditation chill music, and you'd be like, oh, this is beautiful. Yeah. But there is something about it in the black and white that does feel ominous. Yeah, and then we see these, like, these two samurai, they're running through the grass, and one of them is carrying the other. And he's kind of limping and uh, they're trying to, I think they're like trying to get away from another guy. And and then there's, yeah, the guy's on horseback coming after him. And so then they're, they're able to hide and, and the guy goes away and we see them get stabbed, right? We see them get stabbed to death. 
it's like, oh, well, I guess they got killed by someone, like another, you know, samurai. But no, he gets killed by these two women. <laughs> so we see these two women kill these guys, and we're like, whoa, wait, what? So this is a samurai movie with a samurai getting killed by women. Yeah. And, and it's like... peasant women as well. They are poor women. So it's this complete restructuring of how we would expect a samurai film to go, like from the get-go. Yeah. yeah. And then they, they loot the, the, the samurai's bodies. Um, and they like dump them. I'm pretty sure they, yeah, they dump them in the hole. They dump them in the hole. Yep. Yeah. That's what And so it's like, well, it's because like, what do you think? Of, like the, the whole samurai genres made the samurai, the hero, or at least the anti-hero. But now, so like, are we supposed to hate these people? But like, they seem so desperate. Yeah. You know? And it seems to be, everyone seems desperate. Like even the samurai that are the ones killed, there seems to be a sense every, there's, there's a real pity like pitifulness to them um they don't feel like the heroic feel no pain samurai that we have been trained into seeing that you know yeah they'll they'll sacrifice anything and they don't feel pain and they're strong fighters there seems to be a real pitifulness to them as well so yeah yeah, yeah too because like the samurai it's all about like honor right it's really just yeah. like an honor uh, chivalry is like the, I guess the Anglo uh, equivalent, and these guys don't seem very honorable. Like they're honorable about anyone in this film. Yeah. <laughs> There's no honor like, amongst thieves, to, so to speak. Um. <laughs> the honorable thing would be to stand there and die and take it, and you know, you die, you die in the field of battle heroically. But no, they're yeah, they're running, and they then they get killed by these women. It's probably a much more realistic portrayal of yes. samurai that people would have been frightened when they were in these situations, and they would have just run. Um, yeah, so yeah, these two women anyway, they are mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Yeah. Yes. So it's the mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Then we see them salvage a bunch of the stuff they stole for food from this guy, who's who's you know basically takes the weapons and the armor. Um, and he's then selling them to other samurai to fight this civil war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's all just like, wow, super gray area characters. <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because once again, it's like he's not an honorable honorable man either. Like none yeah. of the characters are without sin. Yeah, yeah, because he kind of asks, like, "Oh, where'd you get it?" And then you know, they all just like, "You know where I got it." And he's yeah, like, right. yeah, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> I'll still give it to here's some more rice, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, but it, it's like that, like, I don't know if I've ever seen a samurai movie like this. No. Right. <laughs> no, it's, it is different to, and it is a samurai film in many ways. It's just, we are looking at a samurai film through the lens of people that aren't in the samurai film. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. There's a samurai film to me. I can, it's always like, so here's the screen. And this is what we're seeing. And a few kilometres away, there's a samurai film going on that's a classic samurai film. But we are just outside of that shot and we're watching the outskirts of a war. Yeah, delivering yes. a war story to someone else entirely. So there's like there's like a, the, the Akira Kurosawa movie. It's like Ran is going on. And then while Ran is happening, we're seeing what happens to the people who are affected by... The, the 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 civil war of yeah. these samurai clans yeah 
which yeah. is such an interesting and different perspective. Different perspective, yeah. And there's there's no heroes and yeah. So anyway, we have a man. Is it is it then? Am I missing anything? The man comes. Yeah, the man arrives. This guy Hachi, I believe his name. Hachi arrives. He is a deserter. Yeah. He deserted the war. <laughs> Have enough. He's had enough, and he's come home. Yeah. <laughs> he's just done. Yeah, and yeah. so this is where we kind of get more of the exposition. He talks about, oh, yeah, there's a guy in Kyoto. There's a guy in this other part of the country. They're fighting it out, blah, blah, blah. Um, Hachi knew – so basically Hachi supposedly knew uh, – I think it's Kichi is the name of the husband – knew him. Yeah. And the the mom's like – the mother-in-law's like, why are you here? Where's where's my son? He's like, oh, he died. He died uh, – you know, he's beaten to death by farmers, which is another yeah. – right. Another unhonorable way to die, if that's even true. Yeah, it's all left very ambiguous because we don't really know. This guy is such a... He's a sketchy dude. Yeah, he's such a sketchy dude and he's he's so without honor that you just think, has he just left this guy behind? He's, you know, we don't know for (laughs) a fact. And, you know, that typical movie thing of unless you have seen someone be killed on screen, you never really know if he's dead. Um, And the mother-in-law doesn't really believe him. Yeah. Like she's not... She's not certain that her son is dead or that it's things have unfolded the way that this man is telling her. Um, yeah, she thinks he's a liar. Yeah, and he is. He's, he's he, a scoundrel. He, he just And he's just lecherous. He just caught his facial expression. He does a great job of portraying it. He is lecherous. So he's come back from the war. He takes that food. Uh, he is lazy he's constantly napping he's not really help helping these women survive uh and he's already days after he's come back he's got his eye on the daughter-in-law yeah yeah like big time eyeing her yeah yeah and the camera goes into his point of view a few times and it's literally just framed on her boobs her crutch her bum like, he's not even seeing her for a person. It is a real kind of, I want to get laid. Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah, he's a, he's a, yeah, just a, just a, but like, you know, what I like about this too is like, you know, it's so, I don't know, like, like characters like that, like we have a strong reaction to them. Like this guy is so scummy. Yeah. But in the little bit that we've, we, we have a feeling about him, you know, it's, it's not like. There's other people like they try to build a character in a way where they make us like like them or something. And it's just like, I don't know if I really care about that person. Uh, regardless, you feel something about this guy immediately. He deserted. He deserted in the war. He tells the story. It's kind of sketchy. And then he hits on this guy's dead wife. Yeah, and he's not so, showing much empathy in telling the story. You know no. I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, cool. This happened. Farmers beat him to death. I'm back. Can I have some food now, please? I'm super hungry. And they keep pushing him for more information. And he's like, I'm just really hungry. So yeah, I think it's like that, like that lack of emotion that he has as well. Like, yeah. 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 I just, uh, but I really like the character. I think, you know, he's just so, and like you said, the way that he acts, the facial expressions. Brilliant. Like, yeah. I he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, just so so grungy and scummy, and (laughs) it's just something so gross about him. Yeah, he's super gross. Crawl. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so then right after, like you said, in that scene where he's he's eyeing the 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 wife, they see a couple samurais, and so they they like they live near this river, 
Um, and then they, they do some fishing and stuff there to try and get food. Um, but they're still very hungry. And they see these two more samurai come into the river. And they all, all three of them kind of look at each other like, yep, let's do it. And they stab, they like the this guy Hachi, he stabs one of the guys with a spear. And the other two women just beat and kill the other guy. And it's just, and they're like, yeah, now we can eat. It's like, it's like wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I just like, I love that this film kind of goes there. What is it? It's, I think that's your mic. It's going a bit fuzzy on my end. Oh, can you hear it? Is it still bad? Yeah. Oh, that's not good. Um, hold on, let me try. Hold on, let me try something. Yeah, you kind of sound like you're doing a robot voice. Is it better now or is it the same? Same. Okay. Uh, how about now? Robot voice. The the voice is fuzzy. Like yeah, it just sounds like you. you it literally sounds like a robot voice. Okay. All right. Hold on a second. I got like Darth Vader voice. Okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what just happened. Did you you must have changed something because it was been fine. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah you're great. Is it better now? Yeah. Or is it okay? All right, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I don't know, don't know what happened, but hopefully we fixed it. Yeah, weird. <laughs> um, where were we? Also, oh, they've yeah, so they they kill another two samurai, to stab them to death, uh, and then they're like, yeah, no, we can eat, and <laughs> it's just yeah, they just really go there with like how how desperate these people are and how how the antithesis of everything that we come to expect from sort of Japanese people and Japanese culture. Like this is yeah. not something we've seen depicted uh, before. Yeah, they've got a real, there's a real desperation to the situation that they're in. Um, so we do get a bit of a like explanation to this situation that they're in when this guy comes back and they're having this first discussion where they're talking about, and to me this is very much like the echoes of um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, what's the name Hiroshima? Yeah, Nagasaki. Nagasaki, yeah. Um, very much the echoes of that where um, none of their crops are growing and they're really struggling to grow anything. There seems to be some yeah. like environmental issues going on. Um, so, yeah, there's just there's a real desperation. And with all the men gone, they're struggling to, to farm in general without all, with, all the men are at war. So there is just this real desperation to that situation where how are they going to feed themselves? Yeah, and so that's, you know, basically that's why they're killing these these samurai, stealing their armor and swords and, and selling it to this other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, yeah. 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 Um, and, and, you know, like you said, this dude, Hachi, is so lazy. He's not helping them, like, not fish. You know, there's one point where um, the mother-in-law kind of is waking him up and he's like, what are you doing? You're asleep in the middle of the night. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. There's always a good sense of humour to this filming point where he's like, yeah, I like to nap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, but you need to, like, we're starving to death. Like, get up and give us a hand. And he's like, Oh, but it's so nice to like sleep in the middle of the day, and you know it's been so hot. Um, yeah, so he's listen. I hate to over one of my pet peeves in film analysis is that every single person tries to relate every single film or TV show to it's about the seven sins, the deadly sins. But I feel like this film actually kind of is about the, the deadly sins. And I hate it because it is overused so often and people will desperately try to find a way to make any film about the deadly sins. 
but this one to me is, and that was very much about the sloth. Like he represents that that sin of being just super lazy. Absolutely, yeah. He's just because, like, as we come to understand, he's basically just into you know getting food by killing people and then having sex. And right? having sex. Yeah. That's it. That is it for this guy. Yeah, yeah. He has no other yeah. interests at all. No other personality traits other than the fact that he wants to have sex and occasionally eat food. Yeah, and then the rest is just napping and and trolling the the mother in law. Yeah, yeah, being being a bit of a dickhead, and that's about it. For him. Um, yeah, so I guess it did come to a shock to me in general. I that this daughter in law one actually really fancied him. Yeah, maybe she's just sort of sexually desperate too, because who knows how long this guy's been away, right? Yeah. Maybe he's been away yeah. for going to go on, and so mm-hmm. she. Start sleeping with him, which yeah, made they, a real shock. I was like, "Oh, okay, this is where this film's going." Yeah, um, they, yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen it going that way. So the mother-in-law is obviously not okay with this because this is her daughter-in-law, and there's also once again this sense of like envy from the mother-in-law about this girl's youth and beauty and this actress that plays the daughter-in-law is stunning like she is stunningly beautiful to look at and there is a sense of jealousy and she tries hitting on Hachi and he's like you're an old hag you're too old yeah not interested um and that's when things start getting she starts getting really jealous envious and worried that her partner in crime, literally, is going to leave her and not help her kill samurai anymore. Yeah, she's the the mother is like afraid of basically being left alone yeah. and basically being left to 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 die. Right? She yeah. won't be able to to do anything. She probably is not going to be able to you know jump these samurai by herself anymore. Um, and so she her her prospects would be very grim if the daughter in law leaves leaves yeah. her. So it's sort of self-preservation. It's, that's like kind of the first moment where you see her kind of reveal her vulnerability. Before yeah. then, she's very hard. She's very kind of, yeah. you know. I, to, that to me is something that I I would have liked to have seen her more vulnerable from the start because to me it felt like it was a very sudden shift because I couldn't believe that this also because I loved the mother-in-law. I thought she was fantastic like she's a very strong character yeah, she's she the one who does a lot of the the bartering with the the man that she sells to she's the one that has got that power of control um so when she's like if you leave me i'm not going to survive i'm thinking yes you will like you don't need this daughter-in-law i've got no doubt in my mind you will be able to kill samurai on your own and make these deals, I'd be. I am more worried about the daughter-in-law and that lazy sod than I am about you. Um, and then I start wondering, yeah, once again, is it because she just doesn't want to be alone? Like it's more about her feeling envious of this young girl and that her sexual relationship with this man that she obviously wanted to sleep with too. And it's complex. But I'm not sure if it's necessarily in the best kind of complex way. I think I would have liked to have seen her more vulnerable in the beginning to fully understand who her character was. Mm-hmm. If we saw some vulnerability, like when she was first, like if they had a conversation before they did the 
the bargaining with the with the guy maybe yeah 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 because i did i did like that you know like you said there's there's a hint of the jealousy but also you know it makes sense in this world that she would be afraid of being alone like that's an old woman by herself yeah uh seems definitely like doom in this world but you know as you say the film presents us with her as a a hardened person yes uh she does not waver to kill she's very calculating as well we see her calculating how she's going to try and manipulate the situation between hachi and the daughter-in-law so yeah it would be nice if they bridge the gap in a narrative way yeah but I did, I did like that they gave her that dimension. You know? Yeah, yeah. There was definitely dimension. I just would have liked to have seen it done maybe a little more smoothly for for myself. Yeah, and then so then like later on, you know, again Hachi is like kind of he's being lazy and doing his own thing, and then they we see them kill a dog too. They see a dog running through yeah, the, which is always like um, that's always a moment in the film when you realize how desperate things are getting when someone eats a dog. Like, yeah. Yeah, so they cook this dog, and then the next day Hachi kind of trolls him, and he barks like a dog outside yeah. of their hut. Ironically, there's literally a dog barking outside my house. <laughs> I don't know if you, could, if you could hear that, but there was literally a dog just barking. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right on cue. Thank you. Right on cue, yeah. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Rory. <laughs> yeah. So now, like, the, the, the film takes... I think of the most interesting turn. So like, again, so the daughter-in-law and Hachi have been doing this thing where like at night, the daughter-in-law will wait for the mom to go to sleep and then bounce and they have their little affair. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so then one night, you know, she takes off and then the, the, the mom is going to go and follow them. And then she sees this bait. So like she sees a sword through their, uh, their hut. And then this, Samurai wearing an Oni mask appears in her tent. Um, and then he goes on this long spiel like, oh, I'm a samurai from a good family. I need you to show me the road to Kyoto. And she's like, you know, again, she's very always very calculating and she's she's yeah. trying to... She's self- smart. She's like, I'm not going to go with you. Just And this is something that I feel is so relatable to any, any particularly a woman. It's like, no, I'm not just going to go with you and help you because you might kill me. Um, you know, it's how Ted Bundy got his victims, was he preyed on a woman's innate need to help people. And she's yeah. smart for that. She's like, nope, I'm not going to immediately trust you and want to help you. I don't have that particular maternal instinct where I'm going to put myself in danger to help you. So she keeps trying to kind of be like, just go north, just keep going north. All you need to do is go north. And he's like, I can't find my way out of these reeds. Yeah. And so he's he's basically says, you know, you're going to do what I say, period. Um, and so he forces her to do it. And so then they're walking. And yeah, this is really beautiful shots, too, because it's like, again, we see the stuff with the moon. And then so it's sort of like moonlit. And they're walking by the lake. And then he starts telling the story. He, he kind of gets her, gets him to talk. And he tells a story about, like, why he wears a mask. He's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so beautiful that I needed to wear this mask because I didn't want my face to get messed up in a war. And he's she's kind of like, mm, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and once again, it comes back to this thing of, like, the sins. It's like, yeah, his sin is that he's, um, his pride, he's got this, like, huge amount of pride in his beautiful face. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, she's not buying it. She's like, well... And this is a moment where I felt that 
she had the most vulnerability to me mm. was when she stops and looks at him looks at him and says can you show me your face i have never seen anything beautiful before i thought that was one of the most poignant moments in the whole film where you believe her she's lived this really awful hard life and she just wants to see something beautiful yeah um, um yeah for sure for sure yeah. i mean again she also probably kind of feels like she's close to death like i don't think yeah. she believes that she thinks she has to figure out a way to get out of the situation because she's not she's not just going to show him the way and then live yeah um yeah and then she does so she does so what happens is she she leads him on a certain path and she leads him to where the hole is and then right at the last moment she like jumps over the hole when he doesn't and we see him just fall in he falls into the hole yeah which is like on a pile of skeletons like <laughs> yeah so he's on a pile of skeletons um once again she's clever and calculated and it's that whole thing of like that's a very clever move but then she's really clever about going down to get him you know she doesn't just like climb down willy-nilly she goes off she gets herself like um the spike and rope and she manages to climb down um and she tries to take the mask off him and of course uh this is where we start getting very um nuclear war <laughs> is when the mask is taken off and underneath we see a horrific sight yeah his face is messed up Messed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so and yeah this is another interesting thing like where 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 do we think allegorically about this stuff with the mask what what the mask means and what it means to remove it right what so for me what what i this is the way i see it is that she's got this crab on her robe um so i think it's the other the daughter-in-law's got some sort of like shellfish on her robe as well like they've both got water animals and they obviously live on the water they're living in a marsh but she's got a crab and of course one of the most common crabs in japan is the samurai crab which is a crab that it is said in japanese mythology um take like took on the faces of dead samurai because the crab has a face that looks like a samurai and this is kind of who she is as a person what what she goes through like she is that samurai crab that is taking the exterior of samurai and using them herself for her own survival the way that the samurai crab they say was able to survive because people didn't want to kill a animal that had a human face like it's a real survival thing of that's what she does and the mask is just that complete representation of that that she is the samurai crab that uses anything she can and uses samurais to survive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's such an interesting kind of thing to, to to think about, like especially the reveal when you see what this what this thing is underneath. It's almost yeah. like saying like the outside is this pristine but frightening but powerful sort of representation of I guess the culture, but it, it's almost like wearing it you you pay a price yeah you pay a price and that price is like maybe he was beautiful <laughs> and then he wore the thing and it took yeah, it took something from i read it i read it as the fact that he probably was incredibly beautiful and handsome started wearing this mask because he wanted to protect his beautiful face and it has 
this yeah and the vanity and it has destroyed him his vanity in himself has destroyed him yeah for sure um yeah it's so interesting i really like that that element and you know again the horror stuff is just like going down and like into this pit where there's a bunch of skeletons a bunch of dead basically dead samurai are down there um and there was like a shot earlier where we saw like hachi go by it and then a bunch of ravens flew out right yeah and he's like looking into it and it's yeah that whole cave thing is you know to me was very like almost the womb like going into the earth and into mother nature's cave-like womb and mm -hmm. And obviously it's the women's, excuse me, the women's place where they put the men. You know, it's, there's some fascinating stuff going on, going on there. And the mask itself is brilliantly done because it's it able to portray all these emotions somehow to the point where you start thinking, is this the same mask? Like how can it look so different in each scene? um it's incredibly well done yeah and so so then yeah so then you know she takes off the mask she then steals this dude's stuff as she does with everyone else of course um <laughs> and i think later on we see her sell it and everything but now we get into the, like basically the payoff of this film right um so again they're uh the daughter-in-law and hachi are still having this affair so the daughter-in-law waits for the mother-in-law to go to sleep she heads out and then she sees a woman in this white kimono with that mask show up out of nowhere in the weeds and just yeah, scares and her off. It's and it's beautiful imagery, but yes, absolutely terrifying, I imagine, if you were walking through those raids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's also like it comes back to this idea that the mother-in-law had first tried to scare her off this kind of sex before marriage by telling her that sex before marriage is the ultimate sin and she is going to go to purgatory for it because she is sinning and yes. her sin of lust, like this constant lustful thought is her sin and she'll go to purgatory and convinces her that, you know, demons in purgatory will forever be after her because she's having sex before marriage. So the daughter-in-law is convinced that the mother-in-law in the mask is a demon, a demon hag. <laughs> yep yeah so she um yeah like you said like this this is a way of making that stuff that the 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 mother-in-law said stick yeah because it's like it's obvious that she didn't really believe it but once she sees the mother-in-law appear as this ghost demon thing that scares her straight and then yeah. they have a conversation like the next day it's like oh are our demons real you know the the daughter-in-law says and so she's hooked into it she believes it now yeah, yeah, she is a hundred percent convinced. So it puts her off going back to have sex with this bloke because she doesn't want to go to purgatory. She doesn't want to go to hell. Um, and obviously, considering this is meant to be set in like the fourteenth century as well, I think is important to remember that people were a lot more likely to believe that demons really existed. Um, yeah, so the mother-in-law continues doing it. Yeah, she does it like multiple nights. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just like probably like three times she keeps doing it. And, you know, again, then finally after a while it sort of settles in. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just so interesting. Like I love the way that he shot it too. Cause like the thing kind of comes up and then it's like, but like the way they lit it, like she really like, again, the white kimono really super bright in this dark, uh, this dark night. And it's, you know, the contrast is so cool. Um, 
and and again the daughter-in-law's reactions are always just like you know she's freaked out yeah. <laughs> by this yeah. thing as you would be like i don't believe in necessarily demons but i mean if i was walking through reeds at night like that and something like that popped out i'd be bloody terrified <laughs> it's a scary sight yes this and it's terrifying um yeah and then yeah. so then they there's like there's like a there's like a i don't know it's like a third or fourth time where hachi is like out at night and it's raining and then the daughter-in-law goes towards him and then the again the mother-in-law with the demon mask appears running after her but then Hachi's able to sort of intercept with the daughter-in-law. Uh, and so then the mother-in-law like kind of goes away. And then the two of them basically have sex like right out in the raining. <laughs> in the middle of the rain. Um, yeah. And, and we get this like really lovely um, kind of comedic moment where she's like, oh, there's a bug on my back. And there's, there's some nice moments that takes it out of that realm of being too art housey well there is this nice like kind of break and there is a good sense of humor throughout this entire film which i really appreciated um, yeah <clears throat> yeah i like that too i thought that was like when i watched it i watched it like a second time and i thought that was really funny because like oh that's a good way of like because you know you didn't show them have sex but it's like yeah they had sex they, in the they had sex, yeah <laughs> yeah like um, that's how yeah i found really quite incredible for a film from the 1960s in Japan was they, and even to this day, you don't see it much, is that they showed her really like having pleasure. They showed her kind of really enjoying it without getting too graphic. Um, it was a sex scene that didn't necessarily rely on him always being pleasured. Like he's, he's really taking care of her, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah, there's this one, like, like the, when the, they sort of do this, he does this intercut where it's like the mother-in-law with the samurai and then they're having sex. And that scene was like really interesting because like, again, they keep going back to it's really hot and like the the, the, the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law basically kind of sleep naked. At least their tops yeah, are. There's a lot of boobies out in this film. There is a lot of boobs. Um, as the film goes on, it's, there's, you know, when we first see them, they're completely covered up. And as the film goes on, there is just like it's getting hotter and hotter. So they're wearing less and less. You know, first there's one boob that pops out, and then there's two, and then it's just all boob, and then they're sleeping naked. Like it's just um, there's a lot, a lot going on in terms of allegorically about sexualization of women, and um, definitely not what I expect. I was not expecting this film to have so much sex and nudity. Um, that was definitely yeah. a surprise. Yeah, yeah, because like in that sex scene, like they're they're both like super sweating, and she's yeah. she's like she's going at she's going um, at it. She's really happy. She's enjoying herself. Yeah, um, she's, she's getting off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we see the mother-in-law humping a tree at one point uh, after watching them have sex. Like there's and which ties back into this thing. There is a sense of envy of this young girl. Um, that, you know, she watches them and she's kind of turned on and goes and pumps the tree. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. all it's all really it's all really something like like I said, all the rules get broken here. All of the rules get particularly because it is set in a time that is so distant from where we are now. So it's like yes, it is made in the early sixties, but it's about a period of time that's the fourteenth century. So we're so far removed from it in twenty twenty that 
it does come as a real shock when those rules are broken because it's not at all what we're expecting. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I, it's so cool. Like, you know, <laughs> like that's that's what's so cool about this film, I think, is like, it's it's a samurai horror film that breaks all the rules about the samurai film, but yeah. also gives us these like kind of really human portraits of, of desperate people. Desperate you know? people, which is something relatable to everybody. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, and then the next, so the next thing we see is like Hachi goes back to his hut. So they both have their own huts. Like yeah. Hachi has his and then the, the mother and the daughter-in-law have theirs. And then he walks into his hut and then there's just some dude there and he stabs him with a spear and just leaves. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay. And then that's the last we see of him. Like we don't ever get any kind of dis- like death discovery scene from the women or it's literally this like real statement about like this is the reality of war is that sometimes people are just dead and they're just gone. Um, once again, that whole thing about there's no heroic death here there's no heroic like you know victory there's no heroic um defeat which is what we see in a lot of like kind of american stories about vietnam is this kind of like heroic defeat but this is just done move on the plot moves on and he's out of the film for a minute there i i had i thought like maybe they were going to do something where that was the husband that would have been you think it's going but he's refuses to give us that out the director he's just like i refuse to give you this narrative that you want totally and, and you know it, yeah that makes you think it's not the husband which is you know it, again it just makes it so like whoa like yeah. <laughs> like the, yeah, and, people that are desperate enough to kill anybody like why wouldn't they also be capable of being the victim absolutely absolutely and it's you know yeah, it's just so, and again, like I was saying, this is a really scummy guy and like, he just, he's lazy and he's just, but you feel something when you just see him out of nowhere gets killed. We don't know who, we don't know why he's just dead. And you're just like, whoa. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. incredible. It's incredible. It's a very brave thing to do in a film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and so then, then no explanation, no backstory, just like dumb. No, just some other scavenger like them was eating the, his food, saw him, killed him left and that's it yeah. he's dead that's it yeah so <laughs> mother-in-law doesn't know by the end of the film still that he's dead so she goes back to the their hut and all of a sudden this mask to me was just a brand new mask where his poor mother-in-law um has realized that the mask cannot be removed which mm-hmm. gave me so much claustrophobia and made me feel so claustrophobic that yeah, it just that thought of having that mask stuck on your face forever made was quite grim. I wonder if you know there's that um episode of Goosebumps where there's that similar storyline. I wonder if that was inspired by Onababa because it is very similar. Yeah, maybe. Um, that 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 does feel like a kind of archetypal sort of monkey's paw kind of you yeah. know story. <laughs> Onobaba was based on an old Japanese folk story of a mask getting stuck on someone's face. Um, that oof. makes sense. Oof. Yeah, so the poor mother traumatised. She can't get this mask yeah. off. Yeah. She's saying, and like you said. Rain. The rain has. Yeah. Yes, which I found interesting. Um, and like you said, the, the, this, the, this mask, it's it's very much more empathetic, right? You see, like when the first, the, the, the daughter-in-law is first Caesar, she looks very, the mask looks very sad and kind of weak and like kind of weepy, yeah. you know? 
Yeah, look, she looks, it's incredible how much it changes. Like, yeah, she looks so sad and, like, you just want to give her a hug. You feel so sorry for her. Yeah, she's like, no, no, help me. I'm your mother. I'm, I'm, I just, I, I, I can't get this off. Help me. And it's, yeah. 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 And then, yeah, like, then the daughter, then they kind of do this bargaining thing where it's like, you know, like, oh, I'll help you get off the mask if you let me have sex with this guy. Um, <laughs> he's like, will you let me do it in the day? Yes. Will you let me do it at night? Yes. Will you let me do it the day and the night? you on? Like, just get, we get this mask off. <laughs> yeah. And so then she's like trying to pull it off. It's like, no, no, it hurts. It hurts. And she's like trying to pull it and they're fighting each other. And she gets a hammer and just hammers her in the face with the, with the, trying to break the mask. Yeah. Which you think is just the most insane idea in the world, but it works. <laughs> it works. Yeah. She breaks the mask off and then we see the mother-in-law looks like the dude in the, in the cave who died. Yep. Her yeah, horrific. Horrific. It looks, yeah. And once again, it just looks like someone that has been the victim of a nuclear blast. Like it is horrific. It's like blood and sores, like really awful sores. And it just looks raw and painful. It does not look pleasant. Yeah. And then the, I think the daughter-in-law says like she's a monster or something, something like that. Yeah. Does not see her as, as, as a person. Mm. And she runs. Um, and the mother runs after her. Yeah. And then what's coolest bit, so pretty much the last thing we see. So like the daughter kind of did the same thing that the mother did to the samurai is leading them to the hole. So like we get the scene where we see them running towards us and then it pans down and you see the hole. And so, you know, we're like, okay, someone's, someone's going to go in this hole. It's a question of who. Mm -hmm. um, and then they're running and then the daughter jumps like at the last second. And then we see the mom jump. And then the mom says, I'm a human being. We see her jumping, jumping. And we don't know if she made yeah. it or not. No, I, he's like, you, you thought you wanted an answer to this first killing? This is it. And the film ends. <laughs> That's it. Oh, wow. And it's incredibly done with the, like, the, um, the different shots of her where it's, like, kind of staggering. And you, think, you keep thinking, you're like, this next shot is going to tell me, is going to resolve this. The next shot is going to resolve this. And it just doesn't. And it's like... All right. So you really left not knowing and coming to your own conclusion and it's very, very open ended into your own interpretation and it doesn't it doesn't impact the enjoyment of the film either. You don't need to have an answer for this film in my yeah, opinion. You don't. I really enjoyed the I think open endings can be enjoyable, can be frustrating. Um, I'm not someone that loves them or hates them. But here it really works. Yeah, here it, it does. It's it's excellent. Uh, the way that you know it kind of kind of goes with the theme of this whole film about how you know kind of it's not your typical samurai story. It's not your typical story about characters that resolve things wonderfully or positively. Well, there's, um, there's not really a narrative journey that the characters go through. They don't. They they don't really go through these big transformative changes or anything. Um, the whole narrative structure is insanely unexpected, everything about it. There's no beginning, middle and end. Um, even the actual ending climax comes so much later in the film than we're used to. A lot of it is very slow build of building up um, the environment and what these people are going through. Um, even the yeah the 
fight scenes aren't the way we expect a samurai fight scene to be. They're often over yeah. and yeah, there's nothing heroic. There's not a big fight. There's not like we don't get like a sword fight at all. Yeah, no, we just see some people get killed in a un un uh, heroic way in a yeah. in a very cowardly, very yeah, very antithetical to what we expect in the genre. Yeah, but it's all oh yeah, it all just goes back to the theme of like how desperate these people are. Um, yeah. and I guess, you know, as you would say, like people, people who, who are sinning, <laughs> like how those sins come back to haunt them basically. Absolutely. So, I mean, to you, do you see this as a film that's a bit of a meditation on the effects of nuclear war? Well, I, I think for me, um, I think it sort of has to do with, I feel like this film talks about the repercussions of their culture right the sort of the the samurai so it's almost like saying this is what happened to actual people because of our militaristic um ideals of world war ii this is what happened to the actual people right they lost their honor they lost their they became desperate and all of this stuff was a lie this idea that you know we because we have an emperor and the emperor is almighty uh people have to you know People have to be a part of this, the the the, the samurai code. Um, that all that breaks down once people once once people become so desperate that they can't even live anymore. And so I feel like this is a critique of that. It's sort of like showing like the other side of the hyper militarism, and it's a way of attacking those ideas and showing the destructive force of it on the human condition. That's what that's what comes to my mind because it really feels like the fact that it's the backdrop is. A civil war the fact yeah. that we even see these samurai who are so desperate and they they're unheroic they're not like chivalrous or anything they're just they're they're all the exact opposite of what we think of the set like these people would be uh and i just feel like it's an allegory for pretty much what they did in world war ii yeah yeah and so it's just like yeah you're you know um we had this strong military for a while and then it broke down and then people this whole facade of, of our superiority and our honor and our you know our everything just crumbled and it was just people you know desperately ripping each other apart yeah yeah and i guess you could say sort of the the mask is like a it's like a it's like an allegory for like the way the nation the outward false, like the false perception that they that japan tried to put forward yeah foreign people even of who yeah. they are. And every anyone who wears it, it destroys you. It destroys them. Yeah. And when you take it off, you like you said, you have you look like this person who experienced uh like a a war. <laughs> a war or like you're you you saw the nuclear blast and you somehow survived. Yeah. Um yeah that's that's sort of my take on it. Yeah. And what did you think about overall? Did you enjoy it? I loved it. I really, really loved it a lot. I thought I liked it. I, I thought it was uh Again, so interesting to see, you know, like from the jump, this guy, like one of the first things we see is some desperate samurai getting killed by women. It's like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> something you, it, like, like the equivalent would be in the American context. Like you see, um, you see Clint Eastwood and like Gary Cooper on a horse and they're like, they're like getting away. And then you see two women shoot them and kill them. Yeah, take, their, take all that shit and that's it. And they're down there out of the film. Like yeah. take their guns, take their gold, and then um, you know go off on an adventure. 
go off on their adventure, they're desperate, they have to eat family dogs to survive, like things that are part of the American past that is hard. Shit like that probably did happen in those times. Like, yes, majority of desperate women, like in Japan, had to turn to prostitution, but I bet there were some women that were just badass, hard, old hags, <laughs> as this feels <laughs> Yes. That we're just like not going to sell my body. I am in control of my own sexuality, um, and I'm just going to kill you and rob you. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that's something you know. Again, like I said, that's something that doesn't get talked about. Like we in the media portray the people who fight wars and the people who experience the 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 civilian like the civilian side is like, oh hey, we went and we built bombs and defeated them or. Oh, hey, I fought in the war. And then, you know, I knew when I was going over the, like the Saving Private Ryan kind of stuff, like I knew it was D-Day and when they dropped the thing and I got shot, I died honorably. Now, there was a lot of people who were just like, I don't want to die. I don't want to fight. I don't want any part of this. Even World War II, you know, mm-hmm. the the war we think is the, you know, the, the holiest of wars, the most justifiable of wars. There are people that they didn't want to die to fight yeah. that and it's, it's just a human thing it's a human thing survival Absolutely. is a human thing like it's just and war's just not for a lot of people a lot of people aren't cut out for that type of world you know we talk about it sometimes we sat around having drinks you know me and my mates and we're like god could you imagine if so and so had you know got enlisted he'd be bloody useless he cries <laughs> yeah. and is mean to him um you know and as much as people would like to insinuate that that's a generational thing it is absolutely not yeah. there are there are people that are men that were sensitive back then there are men that are sensitive now there are men that are heroic now and are incredibly brave whether that's uh within you know being a firefighter or in the army or whatever it is that they do there are different spectrums and it was like that in every place in time, there are going to be cowards that just get the hell out of there. And that is a survival instinct of sorts. Flight is not a bad survival instinct. Just getting yeah. out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, that's basically what this film is about. The people who ran away so they could live another day. I mean, there was even a line. It's Can you hear that dog barking? Is that really annoying? A little bit. It's not a, that annoying. It's very fantastic. Oh, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's all good. Yeah, I think there was even a line where, like, um, the the mother in law asked the the guy, like, "Why don't you go back?" He's like, "Go back? I don't want to go back and fight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and die." Yeah, yeah. yeah He's pretty- like, I- "I'm gonna stay here because I might get get sucked back into this war." I, I, yeah, I, don't know. I write down one of the quotes from that conversation because I thought it was so important. Um, at first, we wanted to be heroes, but killing isn't easy, and it's hundred percent. It's, it's incredibly simple but beautiful. And he's and he says after that, he says, I don't even know why we're fighting. I don't even know who this war is for. I don't know what it's about. And, yeah, we wanted to be heroes, but this isn't fun. This isn't heroic. This isn't like being in a samurai film. This is reality and the reality of war, it stinks. It's awful and it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one other question I had for you. So like what what kind of horror would you categorize this film if you had to think about it? I see. I don't know if it necessarily would be. 
I don't know if I'd necessarily classify this as a horror film. I don't, I know it has killing and I don't think it's necessarily setting out to be scary though. Yeah, I think it depends on the cultural context. Yeah, like I understand like it is being classified as a horror film, but I don't, I don't know if I would. I mean, it's definitely, it's, I would say it's just that it's more art house. <laughs> that strange category that we give weird, surreal films where it's just a, a, and, you know, if it was horror, I don't think, and I've seen people say it's like a supernatural horror, and I'm like, well, it's not really that either. It's definitely much more of like a psychological horror than anything else. If it was sure. the thing. But, yeah, I would classify it more as like a art house reinterpretation of a samurai film. Yeah, sort of like a revisionist samurai film. Revisionist samurai. I think it's more of a samurai film than it is a horror film. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Quidon? No. Okay. That's sort of in a similar vein of this. It's uh, But that one is like four different stories, folk stories that are like, you know, a lot of it's ghost stories or something like that. And that's another sort of. Yeah, because like folk horror, couldn't you? Folk horror would be in yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is a folk horror because like again, it's like I think the context of what is horror within this universe, like when you're talking about because a lot of these feel like the sort of morality play kind of stuff, like where you use use the folk horror to tell a morality story. Absolutely. To me, it was very much a it was a morality tale. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was all about those different things that people do. You know, the, the and the irony, the brilliant irony of some of it, like the mother-in-law being like, sex before marriage is a sin. And at no point does she recognise the fact that she's out there murdering people every night. <laughs> she's She also offered herself to this guy, like, so that yeah. she would get yeah. off the daughter. But it's definitely all about, like, the punishments that we get for our late, because all of these characters are punished, all three of our main characters anyway, are punished by the end of this film in some way for doing things that are quote unquote sinful they are yeah um yeah i guess that's that's like the big kind of takeaway right um is like i guess there's for me at least i feel like there's like a like the big thing that the story theme is trying to tell us is like about how on a societal level when we pursue these type of things you know basically this type of nationalism and uh you know this sort of supremacy because like that's really a big part of Japanese culture is is they're like yeah we're better than the Chinese and the Koreans and everyone and the way that what happened in World War II is they 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 through force tried to bring themselves upon those countries and for a long time they were successfully destroying them and defeating them yeah. and yeah. Sub- and making them submit to their authority um, and then it blew back on them when they had to fight the Americans and the Russians and then they got nuked and then they had to completely sort of bow themselves to another yeah well japan had to become mm-hmm. very submissive to the americans in that peace treaty but they had to become very submissive which couldn't have come easy easily to them as a country um and there was yeah the you know america basically had the power to do anything until 1960 when the treaty was uh, you know, renegotiated. And actually it was interesting because I was looking that up because I was like, must have been around that year that that peace treaty was re, re-signed. Um, and the president that was, like the 
Japanese president that was um, control under like controlling that was called Kishi, which is the same name as the, the husband. husband gets who's gone? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not there. He's like, and that president actually got basically kicked out of power because he was unable to come to a agreement that both America and the people were happy with and was ousted out of government mm. and had up with Peachy. So he's just that he became not there either. <laughs> so it was almost <laughs> yeah. was very intentional, almost comedic thing of like, there's this guy called Kishi, but he's gone now. <laughs> he's yeah. living apart this narrative. <laughs> and he died a dishonorable death. He was killed by farmers for trying to steal yeah. food. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting takeaway. Um, for sure. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel like this is, this is a critique of Japanese culture, uh, I think, and sort of, you know, this is what happens when you have this hyper-nationalism. Um, and the backdrop of this film is like, you know, basically there's two the warring nationalist tribes within the country destroying themselves. Uh, whereas, you know, for World War II, they were submitted by Western powers. Yeah. Um, and I just, I think there was a huge part of that that, I mean, obviously, it's almost worldly, you can't, discuss World War Two without discussing nuclear bombs that ended the war. I just feel like there is such a shadow of that over that over this film. Yeah. Um, and you no, know, there still must be in Japan a part of that that lingers within the hi- historical subconscious that it's such a huge part of that culture. And you know, uh, yeah. as well that there are still they are still dealing with the nuclear fallout. Um you know, there was so there's one other line that I wrote down where they're discussing um, why their crops won't grow, and uh, Hachi has come back and is telling them about everything that's going on, and they're talking about how strange the world is at the moment. And he says, "The sun rose black in the sky, and the day was as dark as night." And the mother-in-law says, "Yes, our world has been turned upside down." Yeah, uh, and that to me was very allegorically about what happened to the people that experienced it. Um, So I looked it up and there's someone said that had survived Hiroshima. It was actually an Australian. She was interviewed for um, our Australian Broadcasting Centre and she said the sky was always dark after the bomb fell. We never knew what time it was. So there's that whole thing about that going on. Um, Yeah. And she also spoke in the same interview about how quite quickly after the bombs, it started raining ash, like it was raining like a black sort of awful substancey thing that was like nuclear mm-hmm. waste. But it, was, but it was rain. It was literally rain because it had messed so much with the environment that it, yeah, it was like raining nuclear waste down on them. Um yeah, it's awful to think about. And so when the mother-in-law was saying that it was the rain that caused this awful disfigurement on her face, I just can't help but think that that yeah. could be connected, that, yeah, the nuclear rain thing has disfigured her face. And mm-hmm. it is that's what she believes, at least, has caused it. And um, that with what happened to a lot of the people that were caught in the nuclear rain was that it did leave that leave them very disfigured yeah it like burnt their skin up and yeah yeah, yeah it's awful yeah, for sure. you know and they were the civilians they were the people that were left behind that wasn't an attack 
on the samurai slash the military, that was an attack on civilians. Like they yes. were normal people. They were people that were at school and were at home. This girl, Junko, that I saw this interview with, she was, at, she was just at home. She was with her mum and dad at home sick. And that's these women to me. And watching this interview, and I watched the, this interview after I had watched the film, um, I wouldn't mind going back and re-watching it now after I've, I didn't know a huge amount about mm -hmm. the After Effects. I suppose it's something that's almost so abysmal to think about that you don't think about it. Um, but, yeah, the, those women are almost those civilians that are left behind to deal with things. And yeah, like you said, just like that overarching thing about I, like how do you I come to terms with the humiliation of experiencing that as a nation? Yeah, totally. Um, you, what's interesting, this kind of reminds me of uh, another crazy 2020 incident, the Beirut explosion. Um, oh, yeah. I just, uh, you know, just because I was curious to see what's going on, anything, any updates. And yeah, I mean, that that's so crazy because that was a governmental malpractice. And when you see like that was a fraction of what Hiroshima was, right? It completely obliterated the entire country. This one explosion in a port. And there you go there today, there are buildings that are still completely blown up that will they ever get fixed? I don't, I don't know. Um, buildings where the where the windows have never been repaired. Uh, people, thousands of people got injured, hundreds who got killed. And just so just think about like, multiply that by hundreds of what a nuke does to a country. Yeah. <laughs> and they did it twice. Twice, yeah. And yes, it ended the war, but the fact that it was it was the good team, it was our team that did it, is quite confronting to accept that it was the allies that did this attack. It's very confronting for, I think, us as a society to come to terms with that we did something that was so horrific to another country, country's civilians. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, it's traumatic. Like you said, there's, there's, then there's a trauma of like having this hoisted upon you, and then all these people. Because like the worst, the worst thing, and they talk about it, like the worst thing about like the explosion. So like if you're, if you're someone, if you're right under the explosion, you got it sort of easy. Like you're dead. You're just dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had the choice, you'd want to be on yeah. the exact explosion side. Yeah. Like I just want to die. Yeah, but if I you were on right on the outskirt, so there's like basically the shock wave. Yeah. And they, it reaches a certain apex, and then after that, you're going to survive. If you're right on the edge, you have it the worst because you're going to live. Yeah. But you're not going to live for long. You're going to die a horrible death. Horrible death. Um, yeah. So one of the other things that I know from previously reading about um, Hiroshima was that, and this I connected into the whole thing of it being set in the marsh and the reeds was that a lot of the people that survived the initial bomb, like you said, those people that were, like, right on the outskirts and were, like, slowly, very slowly and painfully dying, a lot of them just wanted a glass of water. But, of course, all the water supply in the entire of that area was was nuclear. Um, and so people were giving water to survivors, which was then just making everything worse and, you know, Truly horrific, truly yeah. horrific for the people that were anywhere near this incident. Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. And America basically, while they were in charge of Japan in these years up until 1960, would not let people talk about it. 
why it was only in the 1960s in this, when they were this new generation of Japanese filmmakers who were influenced by the French New Wave and all of a sudden they had much more freedom to make the films that they wanted to make. There was, yeah, the French New Wave going on that they were like, we need to talk about some of our history now. Like it's time to talk about what this war meant in terms of Japanese identity. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, you talk about a lot of things go back to the Deadly Sins. I feel like there's a lot of stuff in Japanese culture it goes back to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? Absolutely, yeah. Because, um, <laughs> again, like that's just such a traumatic thing for any peoples on planet Earth yeah. to experience. Yeah. To experience the being nuked. Um, culturally, you know, again, Godzilla is another one. Godzilla's about that. <laughs> Godzilla's the famous one. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just, it just always comes, comes up. And yeah, I think it's definitely very accurate to, to bring it up in this context. Um, especially when you, yeah, like you said, you see that face and it's just like the face of someone who's burnt up and like. Yeah. It looks, it just looks like a know. burn system to me. Like uh, awful to look at, upsetting to look at. Yeah. Cool. Well, so yeah, I mean, um, overall, it's so like, I guess, what, what was your, your, your final thoughts and feelings about this film? Like what, what did you, what was your final, I guess, rating and, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I loved it. I think I'd give it like a seven out of 10. I think okay. it has, changed. I think it is more of a film geek film than a mainstream <laughs> film. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know, I always try to, when on my own channel, I'm reviewing things, I kind of say, should you watch it and it really depends on who you are as a person because we all like different things. And um, I think if you want to watch something from a historical context within film history, you're going to really enjoy this film and it is beautiful. There is some gorgeous, gorgeous cinematography. I don't think we mentioned the whole thing's in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and very beautiful. And there's like... I love there's this one shot where like the mom comes back and then there's like a crescent moon yeah, right. in the it's, backdrop and then there's the hut. It's, it's all very beautiful. Reads are just stunning. Yeah. Um, but I think people need to <laughs> be aware that this is not a Hollywood film. It is not fast moving. It is very different to what people expect. Um, and it is very culturally different you need to kind of be invested in the japanese culture to understand it i think i would get a lot more out of this if i knew more about japanese culture and that's probably my own fault for not being as educated as i could be on it but it does mean that i don't necessarily enjoy it as much as i could mm -hmm. yeah 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 I, I i feel you there i like this film a lot from like the nerd perspective, probably like you said, um, I really liked. Yeah, I like the shots and I like the I like the the cinematography a lot. I really like the cinematography in this film. Yeah, um, and I just liked you know there's like a lot of subtle things that that again like you said like there's so much like the first ten minutes is like a silent film. Yeah, you know? they don't say anything and like the way that he's he sort of does these shots of like the way the mom especially the mom the way the mom looked like the mom had all these looks where it just said a lot without having to explain anything like you yeah. understood where she was her mental space uh yeah, i really i really like that very, like stage like about it the the yeah. acting and see once again i feel like i would get a lot more out of this if i understood 
Japanese stage theatre better, which unfortunately I do not. Yeah, totally understood. Um, this is definitely not for. This is not. This is not a Kurosawa <laughs> samurai film. This is the anti, this is the anti Kurosawa film. Like yeah. you said, the Kurosawa film is the is the throne of blood ran that's going on. Yeah, it's going on and, just off screen. <laughs> yeah, like like there's even a shot where they see a fire, they see a pillow that's of right. some black there's, smoke. There's, like, oh, there's fighting going on over there, and it is just off screen. There is there is a samurai film going on, um, but yeah, this isn't the kind of film that you have some mates around and. <laughs> You know, yeah, you don't know them through film geekdom. They're just some mates and you invite them over and you get some popcorn and pizza out to watch a, a film. They're going to be like, what yeah. is this? This is for your film geek friend. Yeah, and I think so. I, like, oh, this is <laughs> angles. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I would be hard-pressed to think of a samurai film that's really, like, very pop entertainment. Maybe some of the, like, Yojimbo. Yeah, true. That maybe, maybe. Lower pace and. Have you ever seen it? There's a film called uh, Sort of Doom. Have you ever seen that film? No, nah, no. Nah. Oh man. Of samurai yeah. film. Sort of Doom is uh, it's it's the wild bunch of samurai films. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll, we'll try and watch a few more samurai films. And once again, like when I'm saying I give this like a seven out of ten, it's like it's my own fault because it's not a genre that. I I feel like I would get a lot more out of this if I was better educated on some of the nuances of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do. It's like, it's like someone that, like, laughs at Austin Powers but has never seen a James Bond film. It's like, yeah, you're finding it funny, but you're not really quite getting why. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm at the point of view now where I'm like, I can see that this is a really great film, but I'm not sure I'm getting everything out of it that I could. And that's my own fault for not being better educated, not the director's. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to chew on with it for sure, I think. Um, I'll and, see it again. Yeah. I'll watch it again, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I think that's our review for Onibaba. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in and listening to us talk about it. Yeah. Thank you. And, and Caitlin, thank you for coming and uh, being on, you know, <laughs> even though this was kind of a, a difficult film for you to... <laughs> get through or yeah it wasn't as as enjoyable as train to busan we'll have to find maybe in the future we'll find something like that train to to busan is like a modern action film but i love this film i thought it was a great recommendation um but i needed to be in the right frame of mind to watch this one for sure for sure yeah that like you know watching zombies on a train when when can you not want to and it is like it is autumn it's like it is one of my favorite films in yeah. recent times, so there's no topping that really for me. It's, I would watch Train to Busan over and over. <laughs> it's just so enjoyable. Yeah, it's a great film. It's a great film too. Great film. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, so that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for stopping by. Um, so, uh, Caitlin, how can people sort of find your other work and? Uh, so go check me out on YouTube. I don't upload a huge amount. I've currently got a video that is in um copyright strike uh, purgatory itself. Um, if anyone wants to let Fox News know that uh, I am in fair use, that'd be awesome. Just give them a yell and say, all you need to do is look at it and realize that it is fair use friendly. So hopefully one day soon they'll release that. 
Um, I do lots of Buffy reviews and talk about horror films over on that YouTube channel. Go subscribe. That'd be awesome. Um, you can check out my Instagram, which isn't, I don't use that frequently either, but there's occasional things of like my op shop find of the week or some sort of political meme. Go do that. A lot of, a lot of stuff about Everton, right? Yeah, and Everton Football Club, of course, the one true love of my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, football, film, and fashion, that's me. <laughs> that sounds really awesome, on it, actually. Um, I think a lot of people could get behind that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you need in life. That's everything you need. Like, you know how there's that barbecue beers and freedom shirt? Mine's just football, film, fashion. Someone make yeah. it for send it to me, that'd be great. When's your birthday? <laughs> so everybody, that's all I want is just like hundreds of those shirts to arrive for June next year. June and next that, year, okay. With the amount of times that it's taking with the COVID shipping issues, send them now. Send them now and you might get them to Australia two years from now. Yeah, yeah. June in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, everybody. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see you guys again. See you guys soon. Bye.